Welcome to the Willow Ridge Sermons Podcast. This is where you can find audio from Sunday morning messages and more. Make sure you're subscribed so that you don't miss future episodes, and thanks for listening. Well, good morning. Let's give these kids another round of applause and thank our students as well. Oh... It is good to be back with you guys this morning. Uh, we missed you last week. Uh, and my family and I got an opportunity to get away and go on vacation. And so we, we suffered for the Lord Sunday morning out on the beach. Uh, and it was wonderful and it was nice, but it is good uh, to be back here. Last week at kids camp was just a wonderful time. We had about 38 of our elementary kids participated in it for the week. This was something new for us. What was cool is, is how God worked throughout the week uh, in the lives of the members of our church. And so where this was a little bit different maybe than than some of the things we've done recently, like every single lesson, every single small group, every single activity was was written and led by someone in our church. And so it just was really awesome to see the Lord use so many gifts and talents of our students and our adults to pour into the lives of these these kids. And it was just a blessing uh, to have them lead us in worship. And so thank you uh, for allowing us to do that. Well, unfortunately, as the summer winds down, right, I know it feels like it's 150 degrees outside and we're, and we're stuck in the middle of it. But as our summer season winds down, as school looks to be getting started, we're we're wrapping up some of the things that are going on. Uh, Next Sunday, our, our our middle school and high school students will be leaving uh, to go to Black Mountain for our youth uh, missions trip. And so I want to encourage, encourage you to pray for them. Um, and then also, I want to point out, we have some, some special visitors here with us today. I don't know if you know this, but, but uh, Willow Ridge, I found out this morning, we're an international church now. Did y'all know that? Y'all know that? So we got Daryl Cheeks and his wife, Christina, with us. And I'll tell you a little bit about them uh, in just a second. But Daryl told me uh, this morning when he came in, um, Daryl is a missionary. Daryl and his wife are missionaries in the Philippines. And I didn't realize this, but he told me this morning, he said, I just want you to know, he said, it's good to see you in person because every Sunday night at 10 o'clock, we worship with Willow Ridge Church online. So I was like, well, man, that's awesome. We're, We're international now, right? We got our campus in the Philippines and our campus here in Lexington. Uh, but it's a blessing to have, have you guys with us, Daryl and his wife Christina right here. Um, and so Daryl has been serving as a missionary in the Philippines. He told me this morning, here's how he worded it. And so extend me some grace if, if, if I mess this up. He said 12 years ago, he gave the Lord a two-year commitment, all right? Um, and so I don't know if you know how that works. Tell the Lord your plans. And so God has been using him and his wife and his family in a powerful way to share the gospel there. We as a church, we come alongside them and partner with them through some finances to help support their ministry. Um, and so uh, just a blessing and wonderful opportunity uh, to have to have you here. Uh, on our youth mission trip, my wife and I um, are, are going to go and, and, and work in the kitchen. We love to do that and, and, and provide the meals and come alongside some other adults and do that. But, but we, we'll cook breakfast, lunch, and dinner uh, for 60 people. And so I asked Daryl because of so much of his ministry is based in a food ministry of what they do there in the Philippines. And so I was thinking like, you know, 60 people, we can probably probably relate. Uh, and I asked Daryl, I said, man, like how many meals do you, do you cook? And he's like, well, we, 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 we plan and prepare about 10,000 meals a month. I was like, okay, so you're, 
you're playing Major League Baseball when I'm playing upward. Like that's what we learned uh, from this of what's taking place. But uh, Daryl is here. He's going to be here for an extended period of time. Um, Daryl has had some accidents and things over there. And so Daryl's going through a process right now to be able to, to have a surgery on, on his back. And it's going to be a, a pretty in, intense surgery. And so what I'd like for us to do before we get into our message this morning, if we could just go to the Lord in prayer and lift him up. There's a lot of unknowns uh, of what's going to happen and take place. But as he told me today, it feels a little cold outside uh, for him here, and they're ready to get back to the Philippines. And I know it's not the temperature, brother. It's not the climate. It's the work that God has you doing there. And so I want to say on behalf of all, all of Willow Ridge Church, thank you guys so much for the ministry that you're doing, sharing the gospel to, to, to boys and girls and men and women who have not heard and have not had the opportunity uh, to submit their lives to Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And so we thank you you so much for your work. All right. Would you guys uh, join us in, in going to the Lord in prayer? God, I thank you for today. Today is your day. Lord, and we celebrate you. Lord, I thank you for this past week at kids camp. Thank you, Lord, that you reminded us that worship is not just what we come to do, but it is who we are. And so, Lord, may Sunday not just be the day that we worship but may it be filled with every day in our life. God, we thank you for Daryl and Christina and their family. We thank you for the calling that you placed on a man over 12 years ago. And Lord, he said yes to you. He thought he knew what that would look like, but he didn't know. And he said yes to you. And he took step of faith after step of faith after step of faith. And Lord, you were using him and his family and his ministry so that many will come to know Jesus as their Lord and Savior. God, we praise you and thank you above all else for that. God, as Daryl goes to these appointments to meet with doctors, to get surgeries and procedures scheduled, Lord, we know that you've gone before. Lord, we pray for peace and healing on his life. Lord, we pray that you would use the doctors in a miraculous way to fix, Lord, what is broken, what is wrong. But Lord, we thank you above all of what we know that one day what was long ago, what was broken in Daryl was his relationship with you. And through the power of Jesus Christ, you healed him and made him eternally yours. And so, Lord, I pray for all of us that are gathered here this morning. Lord, we thank you for those of us who were found in Christ. We thank you for that. And, Lord, if there's anyone here who does not know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, Lord, we pray that today would be the day of their salvation. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Like I said, if you've got your Bibles, I hope you'll join us in Genesis chapter 13. But as we get there, I want to start this morning, I'm sorry, with one of the most misquoted verses in the Bible. We'll start there, and then we're going to jump there. So if you'll just hold off in Genesis 13, we're going to, and we're going to get there. But we're going to start in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 10. It says this, For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evils. 
It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and have pierced themselves with many pangs. Here's why I say it's the most misquoted verse in Scripture, one of them. Because oftentimes when we hear this verse quoted, I've heard it from from people. I, I know that I've said it myself. I've even heard people on TV talk about this, and they'll leave out love, and they'll say, for money is the root of all kinds of evil. And that's just not true. That's not what Paul writes to Timothy. He says, for the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. What what Paul's trying to address here with with Timothy to to help him understand uh, as Timothy pastors this this church and what we're going to see here in just a little bit with the words of Jesus as well is Paul's like, look, money is this inanimate object. It's like blaming a chair for you falling, right? Money's this inanimate object. Money doesn't corrupt you, but it's the condition of the heart that we need to address. It's the condition of who you are. And we talked to the kids about this week, to love the Lord your God with all your mind, all your heart, and all your soul. The issue is is not an inanimate object. The issue is your heart. Jesus says in Matthew 6, 24, no one can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Jesus uses some strong words here. He says, you can only, you you can't serve two masters. So it's not like you're kind of devoted to one and kind of devoted to the other. He says, you'll hate one, or love the other. You'll be devoted to one or to despise the other. So Jesus says in this moment that the issue is not the object, the issue is you and I. He says you cannot serve God with money. So why am I starting our passage in Genesis by looking at two New Testament passages that deal with a subject of money and our response to it? Well, well, first is this. In understanding Genesis 13, we're going to see some conflict. And in Genesis 13, there's a connection point as far as the object goes in in, in the conflict. And and so we're going to see that possessions and wealth are are in both of the passages. But but more importantly, what we're going to see in Genesis 13 is the condition of two men's hearts. One man with a heart for the Lord and one man with a heart for himself. And so as we deal with this, as we walk through, we we, we see that there's this condition in Scripture that we have to acknowledge. It's not about simply checking some behaviors and moving on past that. It's dealing with the core of who we are in in Christ. So look at Genesis 13. We're going to read verses 1 through 7. So Abram went up from Egypt, he and his wife and all that he had, and lot with him into the Negeb. Now Abram was very rich in livestock, in silver, and in gold. And he journeyed on from the Negeb as far as Bethel, to the place where his tent had been at the beginning between Bethel and Ai, 
to the place where he had made an altar at the first. And there Abram called upon the name of the Lord. And Lot, who went with Abram, also had flocks and herds and tents, so that the land could not support both of them dwelling together, for their possessions were so great that they could not dwell together. And there was strife between the herdsmen of Abram's livestock and the herdsmen of Lot's livestock. At that time, the Canaanites and the Perizzites were dwelling in the land. So here's what we've got that's going on. Abram and, and Lot, they're, they're related. So if you're, if you're new with us this week, um, weeks and weeks ago, we started walking through the book of Genesis. And so we're continuing on with that. And, and there's some background that, that's here as God called Abram away. And he went and took some people from his family with him. And, and Lot is one of these that, that goes with them. And so Abram is the, the uncle and, and Lot is the nephew. But they come from a family of, of wealth. So where they find themselves is not those who have been poor, who've come across wealth, but they come from a, a, a family of wealth, of notoriety, and while they've been on this journey, particularly from a couple weeks ago, right, their time in Egypt, their wealth has increased. It's grown. It's become more and more. So you've got Abram, who's wealthy, and you've got Lot, who's wealthy, so these two men have been given and accumulated so much wealth, particularly where we see the conflict in here in, in livestock, that it made traveling together impossible. You ever traveled with your family? Like maybe not those that are with you today, but other family. It complicates things, right? It just complicates it a little bit, and that's what we've seen here. And the land where they go could not support this many animals. And so particularly it says that there's this verbal altercation that happens and takes place. There's conflict, there's, there's strife based on a real reason. The land cannot support the livestock that is there. So let's see what happens. Verse 8 then Abram said to Lot, let there be no strife between you and me and between your herdsmen and my herdsmen, for we are kinsmen. It is not the whole land before you. Separate yourself from me. If you take uh, the, the left hand, then I will go to the right. Or if you take the right, then I will go to the left. So Abram, the uncle, comes to Lot, the nephew, and says, let's not fight about this. This is silly. Look out around us with all that is there. Here's what we need to do. We just need to separate. Remember God's call to Abram? You'll leave your home, your family, and your country. Lot was the one he brought. Abram says, we'll, we'll go. And he gives Lot the choice of where he wants to go. Give me verse 10. 
And Lot lifted up his eyes and saw that the Jordan Valley was well watered everywhere like the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt in the direction of Zoar. And this was before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. So Lot chose for himself all the Jordan Valley, and Lot journeyed east. Thus they separated from each other. Abram settled in the land of Canaan, while Lot settled among the cities of the valley and moved his tent as far as Sodom. Now the men of Sodom were wicked, great sinners against the Lord. So Lot sees the, the, the Jordan Valley. The description that we get from Scripture is that it's like the reminder of the garden, right, that God created with Adam and Eve. But that also, it reminded him of Egypt. Now, from a couple weeks ago, remember, this is where Abram ha had gone, and this is where a, a lot of disobedience had happened and take place. And so what Abram decided to do was repent and journey back to where they were before. But, but what we see from Lot is the description of it. It's like, hey, this is where all of this sin happened, but it kind of reminds me of this. And the beauty of the land distracts Lot from the wickedness that is there. What he sees, what he feels, what, he, what entices him is not the sinfulness that's there, but it's the appeal to his flesh that he finds. And I thought this was interesting, what Scripture just taught us Abram is going to settle in the land, but Lot is going to settle, Scripture tells us, in the cities. Two distinctive differences. Abram will journey and push for what God wants, and Lot will journey toward the culture that is there. Verse 14, And the Lord said to Abram after Lot had separated from him, Lift up your eyes, and look from the place where you are, northward and southward and eastward and westward. For all the land that you see, I will give to you and to your offspring forever. I will make your offspring as the dust of the earth, so that if one can count the dust of the earth, your offspring also can be counted. Arise, walk through the length and breadth of the land, for I will give it to you. And so the Lord, God, responds to Abram. Back in verse 10, Lot lifted his eyes and saw what he wanted. Verse 14 teaches us, that Abram lifts his eyes and saw what the Lord had for him. The difference in two hearts, the difference in two men, both looked. One looked for what he wanted and one looked for what the 
Lord had for him. Lot saw in one direction, and he took it. Abram looked to God, and God gave him north, south, east, and west. I think it's important before we even dive into some of the things we want to look at, but I know this rings truth for my life. When we settle for the simple gifts of this world, we oftentimes miss the blessings of the Lord. When we settle for the instant gratification that oftentimes this world can provide, oftentimes we miss the blessings of this world. When we seek the gratifications of our flesh, when we seek these instant moments of what we feel, we miss the calling, we miss the promises, we miss the blessings of the Lord. Why? Because we look as Lot looked instead of looking as the Lord would have us look. So, so verse 18, so Abram moved his tent and came and settled by the oaks of Mamre, which are at Hebron. And there he built an altar to the Lord. So two hearts that we see here. Heart number one is Lot's heart. What can I get? What can I take? What looks good to me? Cool, I'll take that. Right? What can I get? What can I obtain? Let me get as much as I can. That appeals to me. I'll take that. I feel like that's me at a seafood buffet, right? What can I get? Where are they at? How many crab legs can I have? Please and thank you, in spite of what I'm going to feel like afterwards, right? It's where we find. Lot has the heart of instant earthly gratification. This is what I can obtain. This is what this reminds me of. This takes me back to the glory days of Egypt where we acquired and we acquired and we acquired. I'll take that. Not a heart for the Lord. Not a heart for seeking him. But a heart of what makes sense for him. But Abram's heart Abram chooses God. Now, please hear me on this. I I feel like sometimes we paint biblical characters in in these superhero manners. That these were men and women who never did anything wrong. And we know that's not true. Abram will not always choose God and God's plan. He isn't perfect. We have seen that. But while he lacks In perfect obedience, his heart seeks to follow a God that is perfectly faithful. That's the difference. I do not put my hope in my perfected faithfulness because it's not there. And if you're trying to put your hope in your own perceived perfected faithfulness, you will come short. That's not what Abram does. He follows a God who is perfectly faithful. That's his heartbeat. That's what we see. That's what we see from men and women of Scripture. 
They are not perfect, but they follow a God who is. So what do we see in Abram's heart? What do we find in this passage that we can cling to, that we can begin to understand that the Holy Spirit in these moments can use to to evaluate within us, Lord, who am I? Am I seeking like Lot or am I seeking like Abram? And so let's look at the heart we give. The first thing that we see with Abram is Abram embraced repentance. Abram embraced repentance. Now, when Abram was faced with his sin in Egypt, what did he do? What did he do? Did he, did he make excuses? Well, Lord, you know, I'm here, and it was these people, and it was, it was culture, and it was all these things that were going on. Did, did he become angry with God? God, how dare you? Why would you? Lord, it's your fault. Did he blame others? Well, you know, if it weren't for my nephew and my wife and all of these people, if I didn't have to take care of everything else that's going on, or there was a famine, that's why we came here, and I was willing to endure, but person after person after person complained and complained and complained. No, no, no. What did Abram do when his sin became before him? He returned to the Lord. He embraced repentance. Here's what I found time and time again. When people go through crisis, a crisis of faith, they're going to embrace something. And they're going to embrace their shame and run from God until they feel like they've earned this right fellowship with Him. I know I'm wrong. My sin is before me, but I'm ashamed, and I'm going to run from him until this, until this faith formula works out that I can come back, that I can return to the church, that I can return to right fellowship, that I can return to prayer. And, and the problem with that is this. It's impossible. It's impossible. No matter how hard we try, we're never going to earn the right fellowship with God. So the only response for him in Egypt, for us in your Egypt, in your famine, in your situation, in your season, is repentance. Repentance, not running from God, but running to God and recognizing that we don't earn our fellowship with him. We're given fellowship with him, which makes possible because of Christ. And that's the heart of repentance. I can fall at his feet and he is here. I don't run from God. I run to God. It's what we saw from Abram in the very beginning. He went to Egypt, and when his sin was before him, he ran back to the Lord. Number two, Abram embraced humility. He embraced humility. Now, in this conflict that we see in Genesis 13 between Abram and and Lot, there are rules to this conflict. There's legal and cultural standards 
that can be upheld. And guess who has all the rights? Abram. Abram has all the rights. He has more of the wealth. He has seniority. He is the uncle. But he is the one following God. So what does he do? In this moment, what does he set his heart for? He seeks peace. He, this is his desire. He comes to Lot and says, brother, let's, let's work this out. There's got to be a plan. We don't want our herdsmen fighting, but more so, we don't want to fight one another. He, he surrenders his rights. He, he could have come to Lot and said, look, as your uncle who brought you here. I have right to everything, right? A few years ago, we were talking about ownership in my house. I believe it was Easter candy that started the discussion. I want to say my kids were in first or second grade. And I said, I want you to understand something. As you live in my house, that candy you have, it's mine. Through the grace and mercy that's in my heart, I'll let you have it, right? And still to this day, my kids now hide their candy, right? It's what I've created. But Abram surrenders his rights. He doesn't come to Lot and say, by right, this is what I do. By right, this is what I take. By right, this is what I claim. And instead, he extends grace and he allows Lot to choose. The man who the world knows of his name today shows the humility for the heart for the Lord that says, no, 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 you choose, you choose. And, and, and then Abram embraced faith. Abram embraced faith. But this journey is building in the heart of Abram of what God is going to do. And there's going to be moment after moment that we see this in Scripture. What Abram knows that I forget way too often is that in spite what Lot chooses, God is in control. I don't know that you need to be reminded of that today, but I know I do. In spite of what others choose, in spite of what others do, in spite of the circumstances that surround you, God did not step off of his throne and release it to that situation. God is in control. And we can cling to that this is what faith is. God's already taken Abram through very difficult seasons, and this is where we can journey in life and praise the Lord for what he is doing. On our last night at Kids Camp, Corrine did a wonderful job of teaching our students and talking about what it means to worship God with all of your soul. And she talks about when David lost his son. His baby boy died. 
go through season after season, and in that moment, what strengthened the faith is David and Abram knew who God was, God is in control, and I put my faith and my hope in him and him alone. And so Abram faced famine, he faced persecution, he faced his own sin, and through it all, what he saw was in spite of his unfaithfulness and the unfaithfulness of others, that God was faithful. Abram embraced trust by letting Lot choose. Abram trusted for God to choose for him. One took what the world had to offer, and the other one took what the creator of the world would give. Lot lost, chose the world, and in doing so left his family, trusting in himself but Abram, in trusting the Lord, was reminded of the family of eternity that he was blessed with. And lastly, Abram embraced worship. Abram embraced worship. Now, Abram's going to settle in this area between Hebron and Mamre which is going to be a significant place in, in Scripture. If you know, and, and, and I promise, man, one day we're going to get there as we work through this with Abraham. It's going to be where the settlement of Abraham and, and his son Isaac, where most of the story is going to happen and take place. And so Abram settles where God leads and establishes his home on worship. I want to ask you this. What is your home built on? What is your home built on? In August, I'm going to share some future things with you guys. In August, we're going to, we're going to take a pause for, for four weeks in working through Genesis, and we're going to talk about discipleship. We do that most August, but this August is going to be a little bit different. For the last 18 months, our staff has been working together and, and sharing with, with our elders and our leadership uh, about where we feel like the church is taking us, uh, where we feel like God, I'm sorry, where we feel like God is taking the church uh, as, as we seek to grow in the areas of discipleship. And so what we're going to do over the course of, of four Sundays in August is we're going to share this plan of where we feel like God is leading us, but also we're going to look at what the scripture teach us about discipleship and begin to see how God is, 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 is moving us in a wonderful, wonderful direction. And, and what we're going to encourage, all right? So the, the, the plan will go through in August. I want to encourage you all to be here for that each and every week. I'm excited about what God is doing and what this is going to look like. But what we're going to ask you to do as we go through this plan that we feel like God has laid out before us is to take a step to take a step of obedience with Jesus. What we see from Abram of what he is doing time after time is he's taking step after step after step in following what God has for him. 
And what I want us to do is to look at where we are as individuals in our walk with the Lord and then say, we together, as we walk in this world, want to take a bold next step with Jesus. And here's what that looks like. My step may be different than your step. Your step may be different than your spouse's step, than your friend's step, but to look and to see and evaluate where we are in our walk with the Lord and take a step. In Genesis 13, 17, God tells Abram, arise and walk. Arise and walk. In 2 Timothy, Paul says as his life is preparing to end, not because of old age, but because of persecution. Paul says to Timothy, I fought the good fight, I finished the race. I want to ask you this question. What's your race look like? What does your race look like? Are you taking a step with Jesus? Or, or are you on a treadmill? Are you on a treadmill? We have a treadmill at our house. I like to hang up wet clothes on it. Occasionally, occasionally it'll be raining too hard outside for Grayson to go outside and run. So he'll have to go upstairs to the treadmill to run. He hates it every time he has to do it. And I'll be honest with you, when he's running on that treadmill, four, five, six, seven, eight miles, I hate it too. Number one, while I'm sitting on the couch eating popcorn and watching TV, it inconveniences me to hear him exercise. But what you hear is this. And I'll ask him a funny question when he gets done. How far did you go? He'll say, I mean, it's a treadmill. I ran like six miles. But the truth is, he didn't go anywhere. He went upstairs to a room and closed the doors. And he did running like things. He pumped his arms. He moved his knees. Oh, he was dripping sweat. But he didn't go anywhere. Here's my fear. Here's my prayer for you. That there's some of us here today And we're not running a race. We're not even walking a path with the Lord. But we're trying to fool ourselves and those around us. And all we're doing is running on a treadmill.
We're making a lot of noise, but we're not gaining a lot of ground. We're sweating and it's painful and we want to let everybody know how far we've gone. But the truth is, when we evaluate our life, we're right where we were before in our walk with the Lord. God said to Abram, go and walk. Get up and walk. You're going to move. You've got to go. And you've got to chase after me if this is going to happen. Jesus tells us to go and make disciples among all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them all I have commanded to you. And then he sends his Holy Spirit to indwell in our lives. The Spirit of God, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, it isn't hovering around you. It's not sitting beside you. It's not a thought for your mind. He lives in you. And we just want to get on the treadmill and not go anywhere. But God says go. I want to invite you. We got a couple more Sundays. I want to invite you to join me. I need to take a step. I need to take a lot of steps. Man, I want to be a lot farther on the race than I am now. And what I want to invite you to do is take a step with me. Some of us are going to run faster. Some of us are not going to run as fast. But I want us all in the race. Would you pray with me? God, I come to you this morning, Lord. Thanking you for who you are. Or for what you've done. Lord, you did not save us so that we could sit on the sidelines and pretend to be in the game. Lord, I thank you so much for the story of the life of Abram. Lord, he is not a man who was simply called by you and then walked in perfection. He fell He got the bumps, he got the bruises. But Lord, he got up. He embraced repentance. He lived in a life of humility. He lived a life of faith. He lived a life of trust. And he lived a life of worshiping you. So that Lord, he could take the next step and the next step and the next step. And God, I pray for us. Lord, Lord, I was this person. I knew the words to say. I knew the external behaviors to show. But Lord, I was sitting there just running on a treadmill. Keeping up a facade of someone who loves you, or but my heart was far from yours. I saw the world the way Lot saw the world. 
I pursued the things that Lot pursued. And Lord, in your kindness, in your goodness, in your faithfulness, Lord, you opened my eyes. You drew me to yourself. You brought me to my knees. Lord, I repented before you. Your Holy Spirit filled me up. And Lord, I thank you. Lord, with every step of obedience, and Lord, I know, I know I'm not walking as fast as you want me to. Lord, I know that all too often, Lord, I wander off the path and I begin to pick up some of the things that I left behind in the past. And Lord, I know through your kindness and your goodness, Lord, you just, you just draw me back and bring me back. And Lord, I know that's the story of so many of us here today. And God, so I pray through the power of your Holy Spirit, Lord, use this time to show us who we are. Show us the direction that we're going. Reveal to us, are we in the race? Are we on the treadmill? And Lord, if there's anyone here who does not know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, Lord, may today, may the truth of the gospel, that Jesus Christ died on the cross of Calvary for their sin. He paid it. He paid it in full. And he laid dead in a tomb. But on the third day, he rose again. And that all who place their faith, hope, and trust in Christ to save them, Lord, to walk in the newness of life, in eternity, and in today. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks again for listening, and be sure to check back next week for another episode. In the meantime, you can visit us at willowridgechurch.org or by searching for Willow Ridge Church on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter.